In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents... Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop story. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny... One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Week one of the 2022 governor's primary has already lived up to the hype. Welcome to Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Greg Bluestein, your host with Patricia Murphy. We are two of the political insiders here at the AJC. On Sunday, we brought you the news that David Perdue would indeed challenge Brian Kemp. And boy, is it already getting fiery. The desperation you're seeing coming out of the governor's office right now, they've promised to make this a scorched earth campaign to make my life a miserable living hell and so forth. But you know what? They're amateurs compared to what the Democrats did last year with the money they put in here. So bring it on. Amateurs. Purdue has done several radio interviews this week, including with former Congressman Doug Collins and Martha Zoller over at WDUN in Gainesville, where he says the reason Kemp beat Stacey Abrams is because of his help. They're saying that he's already beat her once. He can't beat her again. I will tell you, I was part of that victory. I worked my rear end off for him to help beat Abrams back in 18. In fact, I was the one that brought Donald Trump down here on that Sunday night before the Tuesday. I promise you, had that not happened, I don't believe Brian Kemp would have won in 18. Patricia, David Perdue says over and over again that he likes Brian Kemp, and this isn't about their personal relationship. This is about Stacey Abrams. But in these opening days, it sure seems a lot like it's like Brian Kemp. Oh, my goodness. On Monday, a part of his video announcement was, it's nothing personal. And then by Tuesday, it is so personal. It is scary personal. And now not only is it Brian Kemp's fault that David Perdue lost, David Perdue should get credit for Brian Kemp even having his job in the first place, according to David Perdue. And so it has started to feel, um, we knew it was going to be personal, but but to Mm -hmm. me, this is so early, so ugly. Um, Cody Hall, who's the governor's spokesman, said that David Perdue lies as easily as he breathes. So um, if this is week one, I would be very worried if I were Republicans about week too. Yes. And week four, five, 12, <laughs> yes. 17, because we've got, we're in this for the long haul and it's only going to get more brutal. Um, you know, this is already reminding me very much so of Doug Collins versus Kelly Leffler, where, you know, you, you could see this sort of train wreck coming. Um, Raphael Warnock was the Democratic front runner on the other side of the ticket. He was out there kind of soaking up attention, able to consolidate support. He was not nearly as well as, as well known as he is right now. Um, meanwhile, Doug Collins, Kelly Leffler pummeling each other every day. You know, as much as David Perdue wants to focus on Stacey Abrams and as much as Brian Kim wants to talk about Stacey Abrams policies and the quote unquote radical left, they aren't paying much attention to her right now. They're all about each other. 
No, and every Republican in the state wants to run against Stacey Abrams. And they were absolutely thrilled when she finally got into this race because they could finally start talking about Stacey Abrams and um, really throwing this out there to uh, voters in Georgia. Republicans may not be perfect. We may not have had a great year last year. We may have a president you don't like, but Stacey Abrams, that was the message. And that is supposed to be the message. But that isn't the message for Republicans right now. All anybody can talk about and wants to talk about is this incredible dynamic in the governor's race. And um, it, it, it is not just personal. And that's why I think this is a really important race uh, in Georgia and nationally. It's really not just personal between David Perdue and Brian Kemp. It really is a test of who the Republican Party is, which voters can the Republican Party attract, and what direction is this party going in because we have one candidate who has been brought into this race by Donald Trump, specifically because Donald Trump um, has this incredible grudge match going against Brian Kemp. So it really will determine if Republicans in um, really going into 2024, are you the party of Donald Trump or is there room in this party for somebody who doesn't do everything Donald Trump says, but is a conservative nonetheless? Patricia, I'm glad you brought that up because let's be very clear here. Purdue is opening his race by promoting the same pro-Trump lies about election fraud that dominated the last election cycle. He said he pushed Brian Kemp to call a special session to review claims about absentee ballot fraud, even though there's no evidence of any wrongdoing and multiple tallies have upheld Joe Biden's victory in Georgia. Purdue said he wouldn't have certified the election results, even though that's required by state law. Brian Kemp had no choice but to certify them unless he wanted to be dragged into an epic legal battle. And David Perdue is set to put his name on a Fulton County lawsuit that promotes more of these same conspiracy theories. You know, he says he doesn't want to relitigate 2020, but in the opening maneuvering, at least, that's what he seems to be doing. Well, he has really um, come into this race with a problem. The problem already exists that the reason there's an opening in this race with some Republican voters is because of Donald Trump's relitigation of this election again and again. Republican voters in Georgia, the majority, do not think that the election was fair and square. They do believe Donald Trump's claims that there was massive election fraud, which Donald Trump now calls the crime of the century, by the way. Um, That's why David Perdue is in this race. But he knows he can't get elected, especially as governor of Georgia, just running on the 2020 election, because that's how he lost his runoff in the first place. So he's trying to layer on other issues. He's talking about the state income tax elimination in his proposal. He's talking about um, taking back schools for parents and letting parents be in charge of education. But the real issue, the only reason he's in this race is because Donald Trump wanted him in this race and gave him the opening to get into this race because of the 2020 election. So there's no separating himself from that issue as much as he'd like to. And then the message already within a week is sort of, yes, and yes, I am running for governor. Yes, I want to talk about conservative issues. And I'm filing uh, this lawsuit about the 2020 elections. That's a great point. He did not open with talk about income tax. He didn't open with talk about his school policy. Uh, In fact, you know, I I had an interview with him earlier this week where he put a little bit more context about his plan to eliminate the income tax, but he still has no, um, he still has no 
policy for how to replace $14 billion in state revenue that funds our schools, our roads, our public services, and the rest. Um, he is, he opened with Brian Kemp caving to Democrats. He opened with these false conspiracy theories. That is what his opening maneuvering is. I don't know if that will be his message in April of, of next year, right? We'll, we'll find out. But right now, this is what it dominates on. He also told me that his decision he was really conflicted, which I think, you know, is, which is what we've reported. Um, and I believe that to be uh, true, um, that he didn't talk to many people. He talked to his inner circle. Of course, he talked to his, his wife, Bonnie. He talked to a few friends, but he wasn't, he wasn't aggressively reaching out to all sorts of donors and activists. He was really talking to his, his most trusted advisors. Um, and that when Stacey Abrams got in the race, it really was a clarifying moment for him. You know, and, and Stacey Abrams was long expected to get in the race. We've talked about her a million times as a as a expected uh, candidate. So when she uh, jumped in last week, it to him was sort of a uh, now or never moment, and that's why just a few days later uh, he pulled the trigger. Yeah, and I think also that really accelerated Donald Trump's interest in getting uh, somebody into this race who has a chance, in Donald Trump's opinion, of uh, beating Stacey Abrams. Um, but I think it also really speaks to the difficult uh it's not the best way to get into a campaign by not calling around and testing the waters and asking um, not your closest advisors, but maybe your next circle of advisors and your groups of people who you will need support of. Um, that's not a great way to get into a very high profile contested primary, um, but it, it, it is what it is, you know, and there are so many dynamics here that make this not a normal race. I think the timing was, um, uh, may not have been of David Perdue's choosing um, that didn't let him get the groundwork done that uh, most candidates would have gotten done for a statewide race. Um, and it really speaks to uh, this race is not going to be entirely in his control. A lot of David Perdue's fate is going to be up to what Donald Trump says and does, the sort of the playing field that Donald Trump sets by uh, speaking out again and again on this race, it may really help him in the primary, but that's going to make it really tough not to avoid what happened in uh, the 2021 runoffs um, when Donald Trump just wouldn't get out of that race, wouldn't stop talking. And so the race stayed about Donald Trump when Republicans want it to be about their issues instead. You know, the other big question is, how do you unite a Republican Party by going against the incumbent Republican governor? Uh, and why not run for U.S. Senate, why not make a comeback bid against against Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock when you have a wide open field rather than take on a Republican incumbent like Brian Kemp? You know, he answered that. He said the governor would have held him back. One of the reasons I didn't run for that Senate seat, Doug, is because, first of all, I didn't feel led to in, in February and March after January. But the big reason is I didn't feel like I could win if I was running alongside Brian Kemp because he has divided the party. And I couldn't see how to get the Trump loyalist vote back out, even if I'm running, if I'm running next to Brian Kemp. And so this is a reality that, that uh, Herschel faces. It's a reality we face. So one of the benefits of me getting in is I'm going to work hard to make sure we bring everybody back together in November to elect not just the governor, but to make sure we get that Senate seat back. That to me is a key passage, Patricia, because he's saying this is the reality Herschel faces too. So if you have a, a Brian Kemp who wins the nomination... Uh, which is an open question right now. It's fair to say that there is no real clear front runner in this race, as weird as that seems, that this is a toss-up. Um, uh, and both camps are treating it as such. But if Brian Kemp is the nominee, he's there, that, that's, that's David Perdue saying Herschel Walker could be hurt by the fact that 
pro-Trump forces, pro-Trump voters would stay home, which is exactly what the former president has been saying at these rallies, saying MAGA voters just won't support Brian Kemp. Yes. And it's true that the Republican Party was divided before David Perdue got into this race. Um, I have a theory that David Perdue could have helped heal those divisions in, within the state Republican Party. Um, but he obviously made a different calculation. Um, but the reality, I don't think it's Brian Kemp dividing this party. I think it's Donald, uh, Donald Trump dividing this party. So if Donald Trump mm-hmm. started sending tweets, you know what, Brian Kemp, he was dealt a tough hand, but I fully support him. That would go a lot further than a uh, primary that is started by divisions and is only going to inflame divisions. Um, The best thing that Republicans can hope for is that the next six months pass very quickly, (laughs) that Stacey Stacey Abrams is their Democratic nominee who they can run against. That is going to be a huge unifying factor for them. Um, It is really going to depend on what Donald Trump says and does from the sidelines. That's why Republicans lost in 2020, 2021, and it's why they'll lose in 2022 if Donald Trump can't be um, a positive force instead of a negative force in this state. And what Republicans really want right now is a misstep by Stacey Abrams to distract attention away from their own feuding. And she is kind of playing it above the fray. She's talking about expanding Medicaid. She's talking about boosting school funding and improving public health. Uh, you know, these are the in Democratic world, but also in broader electorate, these are the things that poll pretty well. These are the things that are not controversial, um, uh, you know, in, in the poll show. So she's trying to play it above the board. Meanwhile, Brian Kemp is feeling increasingly isolated in some sense. We told you in the Jolt newsletter earlier this week that many Republicans don't want to take sides here, but there's, there's some exceptions. Sean Hannity does on Fox News. Former Republican Senator David Perdue, he is jumping into the governor's race. He is challenging the incumbent Republican Governor Brian Kemp for the GOP nomination. I've been saying this. Governor Kemp has lost the confidence of the people, of Republicans, of conservatives, of Georgia. David Perdue is by far the stronger candidate to go up against Stacey Abrams. She's a formidable candidate. Kemp would also end up hurting Herschel Walker in his race against Raphael Warnock. That can't happen either. So Purdue's announcement and his endorsement just earlier tonight from former President Trump should be a welcome sign for all Georgia Republicans and conservatives that actually would like to win the state of Georgia in 2022. There's that Herschel Walker um, uh, specter again. But really, you know, Patricia, we, we polled every statewide candidate who's, who's every credible one um, who's running and no one would, uh, well, very few of them would take sides. I mean, even, even, even longtime uh, Brian Kemp allies like Butch Miller, the state Senate GOP leader, was saying, hey, I'm 100% focused on my race. Um, we heard the same from his adversary, Burt Jones. Uh, we heard it from candidates for secretary of state like Jody Heist, the congressman who's very close to Kemp and represented him in Congress. Um, we heard it up, up and down. There's a, you know, there's a handful of exceptions. Um, Chris Carr, uh, the attorney general, is backing Brian Kemp, always has. John King, the insurance commissioner who he appointed to that role, is, 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 is not surprisingly backing Brian Kemp. Tyler Harper, the candidate for agriculture. The candidate for ag commissioner is backing um, Brian Kemp. But the rest of the, you know, these, these big names, these bold-faced names in Georgia politics, including others who are not running for higher office, like Speaker David Ralston, they are staying on the sidelines, which, which says a lot. 
Yeah, it does. Um, I mean, you, you certainly understand where these candidates are coming from. Um, they're between a rock and a hard place. That's really why they didn't want a strong challenge to Governor Kemp. They did not want to have to say, yes, I'm for or against Brian Kemp. Um, many of them would be for Brian Kemp. Um, easy breezy, no problem. But with Donald Trump having declared just all out war on Brian Kemp um, for more than a year, you know, he came into this state um, to campaign for the two senators ahead of the runoffs. And he said, I'll be back here in a year and a half campaigning against your governor and your stupid secretary of state. Um, That was more than a year ago. Uh, And as Donald Trump likes to say, promises made, promises kept, because here he is uh, beating his deadline, which he also likes to say a lot. Um, It just puts all of these other Republicans in a terrible spot because they've got a governor who many of them do support, privately support, um, but a president who they are just very, frankly, afraid of getting crosswise with publicly. Um, Nobody wants that midnight tweet or that midnight statement that Donald Trump is mad at you because that's going to hurt your fundraising and it's going to really damage you with the grassroots. This is Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, the Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. We hope you've gotten your money's worth this week if you subscribe to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and to the newsletter we produce every morning called The Jolt. Patricia, myself, and Tia Mitchell in Washington compile all the information we can into what we think is the most complete tip sheet in Georgia and deliver it to your inbox every morning. The Jolt is just one of the many benefits you get as a digital subscriber to the AJC. And Patricia, on Friday's Jolt, we broke some news. We had an interview with House Speaker David Ralston um, uh, about our next topic in which he left the door open uh, for a referendum that would create a new city of Buckhead. And Patricia, this might be one of the biggest, three or four biggest topics in the legislature uh, next year, because almost immediately, former Senator David Perdue, in his challenge to, to Brian Kemp, said he endorsed a referendum to allow the Buckhead residents to create their own city. This would be an enormous, enormous decision in, in Atlanta in, for the, for the state. Uh, they would cleave off about one-fifth of the city's population and and about 40% of its revenue uh, in one fell swoop. Yes. And uh, this is one of many issues uh, that I think is really going to get swept up with politics that don't have a lot to do with the issues themselves 
inside Buckhead and the issues going on between uh, the Buckhead City Committee and um, the uh, Committee for a United Atlanta, which is the kind of uh, growing effort to oppose Buckhead Cityhood. Um, it really feels like it's about to get swept up in the dynamics of the 2022 race. And so you're going to have to start to think, get inside each legislator's head who's a Republican. Do I want to be to the left of David Perdue on this question, or do I want to be with David Perdue? But David Perdue's the new litmus test for the Trump-approved legislation going through the legislature um, and the General Assembly. So with David Perdue getting behind this effort, uh, that means that Brian Kemp is probably going to have to get behind this effort. And that's going to really put the squeeze on Republicans um, who would rather evaluate it on its merits. And now they're really going to be pressed to also um, very quickly consider the politics of this move as well. And you can see that you can see the good politics for a conservative Republican um, who wants to um, sort of get behind an idea that would make the city of Atlanta look incredibly bad. Uh, it would also really be bad for the city of Atlanta in a lot of ways. They all, the city opposes this very strongly. Um, and so it's starting to get swept up and have a flavor that it's not going to be just about Buckhead City. Yeah. And Patricia, we are both provided access along with some of our colleagues um, to the first major fundraiser for the committee, basically fighting to preserve the city of Atlanta. And this was um, full of millionaires, uh, maybe some billionaires were in that room. One of the business leaders in that room sidled over to me in the middle of, a, of, of Andre Dickens' um, the mayor-elect's speech saying, this is the room where it happens. You know, This is the room that makes these big decisions about where Atlanta's future goes. And this was a real show of force uh, for the anti-Buckhead city uh, coalition um, to show that, hey, they're in this game. They might have had a late start, which they certainly did, but they're in this and they're they're about to launch a major public campaign to fight Buckhead city, Cityhood. Yeah, it, this is the first time I've been in a group of people um, cheering and enthusiastic and full of energy uh, to really organized to oppose this effort. I have only been able to have individual coffees with people who were opposing it. Um, we didn't, we weren't seeing yard signs. We were just not seeing anything remotely matching what the Buckhead City Group has been able to do with Bill White just driving that train. It just really felt like a rocket um, getting out of the gates so quickly. Um, and the coalition to oppose it was really slow. A lot of that was because there was a mayor's race. Um, Keisha Lance Bottoms has not been very visible on this question. We know she opposes it, but she wasn't out rallying against it. Um, mm -hmm. And so now it feels like with Andre Dickens, um, he spoke at that event. He outlined, a, he outlined a strategy to have kind of an inside game at the legislature and then also um, make the message to Buckhead residents and Atlanta residents why it's not a good idea. So it really feels like for the first time, it's going to be an even fight. And before it didn't feel that way. And Patricia, we had broke the story about David Perdue's support for Buckhead City referendum shortly before that event, but and that was you know that was a, that was a, a major concern to the folks in there. I mean, I I, I, could, I couldn't go a few steps before someone was bringing up uh, Perdue's stance and worried that he hadn't really got the time to hear both sides. But you know, the folks in that room were also uh, encouraged because another major figure. Um, has raised issues. And that's Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan in an interview with Steve Beecham. So there's a robust conversation about Buckhead. Uh, I'm concerned that the folks that are on the surface supporting it are trying to just make it off as you vote yes on a city and your crime goes away tomorrow. That, that That's not reality. The, the reality is there's a crime issue that needs to be solved in all of Atlanta. 
uh, and uh, specifically Buckhead uh, needs to needs to have more officers there. They need to have more uh, investigators and, and more technology to help them combat that crime. But uh, the, the city of movement to this point has not been one that's been validated on what it would do to the school system, uh, mm-hmm. what it would do for all the bond packages that are out there and tied to it, uh, or also what it would do when you remove you know hundreds of millions of dollars out of the mix that takes away from those resources for law enforcement officers in the city of Atlanta. Uh, I have serious concerns that the cityhood of Buckhead could actually make the situation dramatically worse almost immediately. Uh, and so I've tried to hold the folks uh, that are in charge of kind of pushing the city movement accountable to have a better explanation as to what, what, what that might look like. Producer Jay Black, why don't we have background music? <laughs> Where is our smooth jam? We're, uh, we're just getting started. That's a goal for 2022. Okay. Your listeners, listen to that. We're taking, we're, we're taking your request on the on the Politically Georgia request line at 1-800-PG-POD. Uh, so whatever songs you want to hear, we'll have it for you next year. Smooth jazz. Elevator music. Steve's going to get mad at me because he is a longtime reader. But um, I will say this, that you know that came close to a outright objection, but not, not quite there. But you know the question is, even if Jeff Duncan opposes it, will he actively work to stop it from coming to the Senate floor, especially uh, with his role as a lame duck lieutenant governor who's not standing for re-election. Exactly. And will he have the power to do that? You know, we saw with uh, Senate Bill 202, the predecessor to that, there was a bill moving through the state Senate on election um, restrictions that he could not stop, could not keep from bringing to the floor. Um, and so he uh, simply left the chamber rather than oversee the vote. So um, it's an open question if Jeff Duncan's opposition alone would be enough to stop this. Um, the speaker is going to play a huge role in it. And I think it's going to be really important to see which other state senators get behind this movement? Is it something more narrow with the Brandon Beach group who are sort of known as, um, I don't want to call them rabble rousers, but it's a group of people from outside of Atlanta um, who uh, who are kind of used to going up against leadership. Um, mm-hmm. Is there a group of more centrist, um, uh, more mainstream uh, Senate Republicans willing to go along with this as well? I think that'll be really important to see how much momentum this gets. One big key to watch in this is State Senator Jeff Mullis, who chairs the Rules Committee, which is a very powerful committee that kind of sets the agenda, sets what's going to be voted on, and where he falls on this one. And we're uh, we're told to expect him to support this. So stay tuned. Uh, Patricia, thank you so much for joining us. The AJC Podcast Department has been producing a lot of great content this week. If you missed our early breakdown of David Perdue's announcement, you can find that earlier in this feed. Doug Roberson with Southern Fried Soccer has just dropped his off-season mailbag podcast, taking all of your Atlanta United questions. D-Led on the Bowtie Chronicles has your preview of Sunday's Big Falcons game at Carolina. And Access Atlanta sits down with artist Craig Drennan. Thank you so much for listening. Please remember to rate, review, follow, share, and subscribe to all of our podcasts. And please keep your feedback coming. It's really helped us shape the show. And we're really encouraged by all the listeners who say they rely on this podcast for their most up-to-date news and analysis of Georgia politics. On behalf of me, my colleague Patricia Murphy, and our producer Jay Black, thank you again for listening, and we'll see you soon. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. 
Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Constitution.